This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, making the world healthier and greener one day at a time. Welcome, everyone. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me today. Back on The Wellness Prescription is one of my favorites, Dr. William Lee, to discuss my favorite food and beverage. If you listen to my show often enough, you'll hear me make reference to these two items. I cannot wait to hear what Dr. Lee has to say, if I can continue to enjoy them or not. Wish me luck, everyone. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be back. So everyone's probably anxiously waiting to hear about the topic of our chat today. So let's just dive in. Dr. Lee and all the listeners, we're going to discuss whether I can continue to enjoy chocolate and coffee. Hopefully not at the same time, but you know what? You never know. So I have to know, can I have chocolate every day? Chocolate plus coffee equals mocha, uh, which is a really nice beverage. It turns out that both chocolate the bioactives in, in cacao, which is used to make dark chocolate or any kind of chocolate, and also coffee, the, the bioactives and natural chemicals in coffee beans it have a number of health benefits, including helping to improve your metabolism. Both actually have qualifiers that are actually worth talking about. When you're talking about, can you have coffee and chocolate every day? I would say, yeah, you probably could. In fact, coffee has been shown to have many benefits for health. When I was in medical school, there was a uh, common held belief that was incorrect that coffee might be harmful for your heart, cardiovascular disease. They said, well, it's got some caffeine in it. It's going to cause your heart to race, might cause rhythm problems. Uh, better stay away from coffee, which is a very difficult thing to say to a doctor in training, by the way. And recent research has occurred over the intervening years. have actually shown that coffee, in fact, has a lot of health benefits. One of the things is that we know what's inside coffee, fluorogenic acid among many other natural bioactive substances, natural chemicals that are in coffee. And, and chlorogenic acid is sort of, I call it mother nature's pharmacy, part of mother nature's pharmacy, pharmacy with an F, not a PH. And it really is what comes from our land, uh, agriculture, when you're growing coffee crop. It turns out the chlorogenic acid will do a bunch of really cool things. Number one, it lowers inflammation. So the more coffee you drink, you actually have an anti-inflammatory benefit because of the chlorogenic acid. Chlorogenic acid has also been shown to starve cancer by cutting off its blood supply. So all tumors need a blood supply in order to be able to grow. So cancer researchers have actually found that the chlorogenic acid present in coffee, in coffee beans, actually has this property of being able to prevent cancers from being fed by hijacking blood vessels. The chlorogenic acid, by the way, also helps protect our stem cells, natural stem cells that are present in our body, mostly in our bone marrow, uh, that have to rejuvenate and regenerate our bodies and our organs from the inside out. And that's really cool. But then the more recently, and I wrote about this in my new book, Eat to Beat Your Diet, coffee and chlorogenic acid has been shown to improve your metabolism. And the way it does this is that the chlorogenic acid gets into the body, it's absorbed in the stomach, goes into the bloodstream, and it actually turns on a special kind of body fat that we all have. It's called brown fat. Brown fat is not wiggly, jiggly, lumpy, bumpy. It's not under the arms, not the muffin top, not the thighs or the butt. Brown fat actually is plastered around our neck, close to the bone. It's behind our breastbone, a little bit under our arms like a girdle, a little bit in our belly. And when chlorogenic acid in coffee and many other foods light up your brown fat, what it does is that brown fat ignites and generates heat. 
the way it generates heat is like the gas range of your stovetop, where you turn the knob, it goes click, 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 then whoosh, you got a flame. And when brown fat is activated by chlorogenic acid, it has a click, 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 whoosh. And just like your stovetop, which requires fuel for brown fat, when chlorogenic acid from coffee activates that, guess where that brown fat draws that fuel from? From the muffin top. It actually starts, it starts from the tube inside the tube of your body called visceral fat, which is you know where the really dangerous fat can build up. And so basically active drinking coffee with chlorogenic acid fires up your metabolism, protects you against inflammation, might even have some anti-cancer protective effects, and you can actually lose weight and shrink your waist size by drinking coffee regularly. One of the things that uh, is interesting about chlorogenic acid is that it's present in all coffee beans. Uh, even if you decaffeinate it, you'll actually get some of the chlorogenic acid. The decaffeination removes some of it, but even decaf actually gives you a little bit. But if you really want to max out on your chlorogenic acid from coffee, you want to get organic coffee beans. And the reason is this. It turns out that many of these bioactives found in our plant-based foods, like coffee, many of the bioactives are produced by plants in a response to being nibbled on by insects, bugs, and pests nibbling on the leaves and stems of the coffee plant, for example. That nibbling actually causes the plant to release chlorogenic acid and other bioactives as a defense mechanism. Okay, It actually helps to heal the wound, a little nibble. So if you actually um, spray with pesticides, conventionally grown, fewer pests to nibble. So it doesn't need to make as much chlorogenic acid. Organic growing, growing actually has more pests, natural, and you get lots of nibbling going on. Maybe the leaves don't look quite as nice, but actually the plant responds by making a lot more chlorogenic acid. How much more? Three times more. So it's not an insignificant amount. So people who drink four cups of coffee a day all right, actually are able to lose four to five pounds of body weight over the course of about eight weeks or so. If that's all they did is add coffee. The caveat is that if you want that chlorogenic acid to do its job to help you, your health, one of the things that you want to do is to not use dairy uh, uh, with your coffee. Now, the reason is that dairy, which is made of fat globules, okay, that's what milk is, cream, um, those fat globules in your coffee might make the coffee taste kind of nice. It cuts the, cuts the bitterness a little bit, but the fat particles form little soap bubbles around the chlorogenic acid. Now, when you drink the coffee with that cream, what happens is that the soap bubbles protect the chlorogenic acid from being absorbed into your bloodstream. So you'll get some of it, but a lot of it will just trickle down and you'll pass it out in your lower gut where you're not going to be able to get it into your bloodstream the same way. All right. So what should you use if you like to cut your coffee with something? Any of the nut milks or a soy milk, perfectly fine. They don't actually have the same dairy fat that will actually create those soap bubbles. So the two tips, I have to give you coffee. Yes. If you want to use something creamy, use a nut milk instead. And studies have actually shown from research up to four cups a day will actually give you benefit. Now, the other thing chlorogenic acid does, and this has been shown in coffee drinkers, it actually slows down the rate that your telomeres shrink in your cells. Now, telomeres are kind of a, like a life fuse. The faster they burn down, the faster you age. So when drinking coffee slows down the burn of your telomeres, you're actually slowing cellular aging. 
it has sort of a slowing effect. It's not anti-aging. It doesn't turn you into a baby, but it actually keeps you more vibrant and more youthful at the cellular level. So these are all reasons why coffee every day is a yes. And it's interesting that you said all of the things that I was going to ask you about. And it's funny because I love my coffee as you did with cream or milk for many years. And then I naturally just stopped drinking and eating dairy. Um, and then I switched over. But you know what? I really enjoy a nice, good black coffee. And I think intuitively, that's when I feel like I'm getting the best benefit because I spent so many years trying to not drink coffee because we probably are around the same age and I heard the same thing that it's not good for you and too much can affect your heart. And then I just started finding research to support why I should. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah. And by the way, one last thing about the whole myth about cardiovascular disease turns out not to be true. Large population studies have actually shown that drinking coffee, in fact, is probably protective against some forms of heart disease, you know, maybe up to 20, 15 to 20% protective against um, fatal heart attack. So the 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 bottom line is like anything else um, that's good even, that's even good for you. You want to do it with moderation, but you know four cups of coffee a day that's that's slugging it down pretty regular. Mm-hmm. Right now, when it comes to the younger kids, younger teenagers, and I'm not. It's no dig at any company that's creating these delicious drinks with coffee and and cream and all that stuff. Obviously, the benefits from drinking like uh, something with like cream in it isn't good. But can young kids drink coffee safely and get benefits? Because my daughter loves coffee, and I don't deny it, but I also encourage her not to drink it that much. I'm a scientist, and you know you're talking to a scientist when. When the scientist says, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what the research actually shows, but I think, you know, as, uh, you know, parents have, we, we would reflect on how we were brought up and certainly, you know, my parents always discouraged me and their generation discouraged kids from drinking coffee. Like, oh, that's an adult drink. You shouldn't actually have it. It turns out coffee isn't like wine or beer, you know, or champagne. I mean, a coffee is actually probably probably completely safe to drink. I think the concern that parents would have would be, you know, they, they, it wires the kids with caffeine or they become addicted to the coffee. There were a lot of these sort of urban legends around. I would say as it relates to um, packaged coffee drinks for younger people, the main concern would be the other additives if it's an ultra processed food. So what I would say to anyone who's thinking about this, before you hand it to your kid, or say yes to your kid, pick up the package, look at the ingredient label and see if you're comfortable with what's inside it. If it's got artificial preservatives, artificial flavorings, artificial coloring, those are probably not the best thing to actually uh, give the kids. And and also uh, the packaging also matters as well. I mean, I've become more and more sensitive to the fact that um, plastics and and containers that are coated with plastics um, shed microparticles uh, into the, the bloodstream. And while we probably can't uh, avoid microparticles in our in the world today. Uh, the fact of the matter is, for kids, some of these little plastics, the phthalates, um, they're known as obesogens, um, and they're endocrine disruptors. And certainly, for a young developing uh, kid, you'd want to be really, really careful uh, and 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 probably steer them away from 
even containers that might actually have that. It's interesting that we talk about, you know, the coffee and how you grew up in a, you know, in a family that maybe discouraged it. I was actually the opposite. You know, my family are European and they started their day with a shot of espresso. And pretty much that's kind of how we started our day. A shot of espresso, milk and cookies, (laughs) homemade cookies, of course. Uh, But we weren't discouraged from drinking coffee. Um, I got to the point where I kind of, wasn't sure about what to do with my own children, but I understand that, you know, if you're starting it off, you're starting your day off with a little boost of caffeine, it gives you a bit of energy. I feel good. I'm sure that uh, everybody else will enjoy the benefits of it as well. Um, When it comes to brain health, let's talk about coffee and brain health. Is there any advantage to, you know, resisting diseases like Alzheimer's or dementia? Is there any research to support that? You know, there is some research looking at coffee intake and lower risk of of dementia, Alzheimer's specifically, I don't think the explanation is has been uh, clearly nailed because we actually don't understand Alzheimer's all that well to begin with. In fact, many people are challenging the amyloid hypothesis, and we're not really sure if we have the full picture of it yet. But you know, interestingly, it's probably these bioactives, the same ones that actually you know, lower inflammation, et cetera. And, and Alzheimer's is an inflammatory disease. And the stem cells that coffee protects, the chlorogenic acid protects, you know, help to rebuild uh, tissue and organs, including brain tissue. So, uh, you know, I, I think one could speculate. And these these uh, studies are correlative studies. There are associations between coffee drinking and lower risk. So it's not a preventative, it's not a clear-cut preventative step. But I do think that um, studies are out there showing that coffee can be uh, associated with lower risk of some of the forms of dementia. And after all, you know, I think aging is something that we uh, begin the moment we are born, right? So we think about aging as in the elderly, but actually when you're one, you know, when you're one day old, you're starting to age. We don't think about it the same way, but I think that when we're adults and, you know, as sort of sentient beings, we, we are well aware that among the most important, um, abilities that we have is really, you know, our cognition. And we certainly want to continue to go on in our life, having being clear of mind and being able to actually, you know, be able to interact with uh, the environment and people around us in a very sharp way. Coffee, you know, and I don't think that the reason that coffee has been associated with brain health is actually due to the caffeine. Caffeine has a pretty short half-life. I mean, it's, 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 it doesn't last in your body all that long. Um, uh, uh, It's about six hours or so. I think now we can uh, regard coffee in a completely different way, certainly not harmful for the heart. I am so happy to hear that. And I normally drink two cups a day, but I actually might consider upping it to four. When we come back, chocolate, should I or shouldn't I? This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Connect with us on Twitter at 1059 The Region or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. 
You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Dr. Lee and I were talking about coffee, and I was so excited to learn that I could confidently drink four cups of coffee without dairy and reap so many benefits. But now, my second favorite is chocolate, and there's always a debate whether we should eat chocolate, how much we should eat, is it actually bad for you? So I thought Dr. Lee could chat with me and break down the benefits to chocolate if there are any. I, I'm somebody that really enjoys chocolate, like like you, but I will tell you what the science actually says. Chocolate first is a plant-based food, surprisingly, maybe to some, but you know, you, it, it's not the same thing as a salad uh, or, or a, a bowl of broccoli, but actually comes from a plant. And a lot of people don't realize that because most of the time we encounter chocolate you know, from in a candy store. The word chocolate refers to a confection, which is something that is created with sugar and butter and, and other flavors um, or pure. But in order to get the stuff that makes chocolate, chocolatiers actually uh, go back to cacao. Uh, now, cacao actually is a seed pod. It's about the shape of a football, a small football, American football. It's kind of oblong, tapered at the ends. It can be brown or it could be bright yellow. And when it's ripe, if you shake it, you'll feel that there's something inside it. And when you open it up, it's kind of about the size of a papaya. Um, but, but instead of the little tiny black seeds that you would find in papaya, there were these sort of um, chestnut-shaped white seeds uh, uh, that, that are in there. And they're moist. And if you actually eat, you can actually eat the skin off the seed. It's kind of the fruit uh, of the uh, of the of the cacao. Uh, it's actually very sweet, a little bit of little tart, quite delicious. And apparently, this is one of the ways that um, cacao plants have been used as food. Of course, as you know, chocolate is actually in Mexico and South America and Africa, um, uh, it's, and and those are the places that these seed pods actually grow. Well, going back into Central America, thousands of years. Um, to the Mayans and the Aztecs, they actually figured out how to take these um, seeds, strip off the rind, and just let it ferment. Now, fermentation, I don't know if you made kimchi or sauerkraut, you know, you, you, you take it, you, you clean it up, and you just let it expose to the air where healthy bacteria drop out of the air and start to ferment and create those chemical reactions. And what happens is that you get this wonderful gut-friendly gut health building food. Well, what happens is that when you ferment cacao, you do something also similar. You're actually creating product that is then dried and then crushed into a fine powder. That's the stuff that you go in the baking section uh, of your of your grocery store and you're looking for a cacao chocolate powder. And that's exactly what that is. It's finely ground seed pods. Now, that is a slightly bitter, but very chocolatey pow powder. And uh, the Mayans and the Aztecs used to use this ceremonially and to celebrate holidays, all right? Was, or, or, and they used it for rituals. So they would actually pour hot water in it. It would dissolve just like hot cocoa. And they would actually uh, hand it around and people would drink it. Um, and it was uh, basically hot chocolate without the sugar, a little bitter. Now, fast forward, you know, several thousand years. And you're actually t talking about what we do now to that same ingredient. They take that powder, uh, they might add uh, uh, fruit, dried fruits, which actually are kind of a delicacy. Um, these are all the ways that if you actually think about how in Europe, they've actually developed chocolate as a confection. It's wonderful. They might put nuts in it as well. And then you can actually whip it up in a way to make it a truffle. 
which is awesome. So the, the key thing, though, is that chocolate, as we know it, those are confections, which means that they actually are very sweetened. They're manufactured bits, and they do have um, dark, they do have the cacao. The cacao has a natural chemical called proanthocyanidins. Remember, we talked about chlorogenic acid before with coffee. Now we're talking about proanthocyanidins. It's a family of natural compounds that, guess what? It stimulates your stem cells. And your stem cells are very important for regeneration, um, helping you heal from the inside out. And also, we've actually done studies with dark cacao. It'll actually um, cut off the blood supply to cancer and actually directly kill leukemia cells. This is really what I do as food as medicine as a researcher, sort of f figure out, look, here's a substance we've known for thousands of years. Um, what, what, what does it actually do and what could it do in the body? How do we discover that? Now, I remember I, I, when we talked about coffee, I gave you a little, some, a few caveats. So I already told you what, which is that chocolate is different than cacao. Uh, chocolate has added sugar. We know added sugar isn't necessarily very good for you, but if you have low sugar, okay, or unsweetened uh, chocolate, which are, is often used for baking, or and if you actually have high percentage cacao, the more of these polyphenols, these bioactives, the proanthocyanidins you're going to get in your body, better it is for your stem cells. By the way, for gut health as well, high dark chocolate has dietary fiber in it. Just like anything else, the quality of the chocolate matters. We do know that many kinds of chocolate bars that you might have in your plastic pumpkin at Halloween that people throw in at the doorstep, probably not the healthiest for you, okay? Uh, all kinds of things that you don't wanna be eating. Okay, once in a while, once in a year, if you wanna snack on some Halloween candy, it's probably fine, but not good to make a habit of, all right? And then more, and so the quality matters. If you go for dark chocolate bars, recently, the Consumer Reports, which is a research uh, and rating organization in the United States, ran a study of about 20 different chocolates to see if they were contaminated by with heavy metals, lead and cadmium. And unfortunately, they discovered that a lot of very common dark chocolates have high level, levels of these heavy metal contaminants. That's not something you want to eat every day, for sure. But they also, the good news is they discovered some chocolates that actually have very, very low levels as well and completely safe levels. And so go for those types of chocolate. Now, where does the, where does the heavy metal come from, right? I, I, that's the first thing when I saw that I was, I wanted to know that as well. Well, unfortunately it comes from the soil. Uh, and in many countries that where these cacao trees grow, um, they're re relatively poor countries, and they also have a lot of industry and mining around them. And so uh, the, the, the heavy metals leach into the soil. Sometimes they're dumped into the soil. And because plants uh, absorb whatever they're growing in, they wind up picking up some of that harmful stuff as well. So I always tell people now who ask about chocolate, should I eat chocolate every day? And what I try to say is that, you know, the cacao, the dark chocolate stuff, actually good for you. Um, I, although I think that you want, you want to go for the one that's uh, uh, found to be safer with low heavy metal contamination. Might take a little homework to actually figure out which ones those are. Uh, and then, you know, look, uh, pure dark chocolate is uh, better than a chocolate that's had has all kinds of butter and added sugar to it. Probably will want a little bit of sugar, but just be careful. And for that reason, I would say, Chocolate's probably not something you want to eat every single day. 
or if you do, nibble on it so you can get a little bit of the bioactives without gorging on a bar. Uh, one bar a day is probably too much. Yeah, I, I feel like there are so many great brands um, of chocolate, dark chocolate, that have, that are made with white sugar. They're, you know, honey or agave. And I think a square is really what we should be aiming at. I feel like most bars are divided nicely into squares. And if you have a square a day with a nice cup of coffee, that to me is... Uh, a, a good day. <laughs> it makes it a good day. And you know, the way that you just said it brings it back to earth, you know, like we talked about all the science and all the agriculture, but honestly, you know, what, what's a pleasurable way to do it? As you said, have a little cup of coffee, have a little square of chocolate, nibble on the chocolate, sip your coffee, you know, and, and, and enjoy that part of your day. Well, I actually take it a step further than that. I get my cup of coffee. I stick my square of chocolate in there. I stir it up so it's melted and I drink it and it makes the coffee a little bit thicker. Oh, it's just like a dessert, but it's healthy. Now, now you can take it one step further. So if you take a little bit of cinnamon uh, and, and mix it in that chocolatey coffee, um, it turns out that cinnamon has something called cinnamaldehyde, which is actually another bioactive that actually helps you fight harmful body fat and helps your metabolism. So that's another way of kind of like spiking, lighting up, making a little uh, a little special zing in your, uh, your coffee with the melted chocolate. And then if you wanted to go a different direction, uh, I, you know, I like to cook. And so whenever we talk about these real life scenarios, I, I like to think about, well, what what are some fun ways that can be healthy as well? Another thing that you can do is add um, a chili powder to it. So um, it turns out that in, in the uh, Mayans, they would often add either cinnamon or they'd add chili uh, to, to give it a little bit of a, a spicy uh, flavor to it. It's an acquired taste, but for people who like spicy, that's, uh, that's, that's a, it actually is a wonderful way to experience that. I wouldn't add very much, a little bit. Now, what's in chili pepper? Chili peppers have something called capsaicin. Capsaicin is a natural substance that actually gives you the zing on your tongue. Uh, when you have it, whether it's in your coffee or whether it's in your salsa, okay, uh, your taco, it actually, when the, the moment that you feel the burn in your tongue, it, it's your tongue text messaging your brain to tell your brain to release a hormone called norepinephrine that travels down your neck. And guess what it activates? It activates your brown fat which goes click, 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 whoosh, and starts to draw down on the fuel from your harmful white fat, including your muffin top. <laughs> well, this episode for me was life-changing. I get to drink my coffee. I get to have my dark chocolate. And now I know that the reason why I like spicy food is because I'm trying to keep my muffin top at a minimum. <laughs> Dr. Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so much fun. But I'm sure that listeners want to hear from you a lot more definitely should be purchasing your books. So tell everyone where they can find you and where they can get the books. Yes. So my two books, Eat to Beat Your Diet, which is my latest one, and Eat to Beat Disease can be um, uh, found anywhere books are sold. Uh, online is very easy. Uh, and you know, if you're interested in this kind of information, I literally drink from a fire hydrant new information on food as medicine. And I do the research as well every single day. I try to do the heavy lifting to clarify what's important and what you need to know. And I put out a free, free newsletter. Just come to my website to sign up for it. It's drwilliamlee.com, drwilliamlee.com. And I, will also, I also have a lot of fun going on social media, getting information out. That's kind of my mission is to get that information out. So my handle is at Dr. Dr. William 
Lee, L-I. And I look forward to seeing you guys out there. <laughs> and I encourage everyone to check it all out. You can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at Healthy Planet Canada. Canada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.